I don't want to stay out here anymore. I want to come back inside. Funny things I hear. Funny things out here. I'm not going to harm anybody and there's nothing wrong with me. And if there was, I'm all better now. I'd like to come back inside now. You got my promise. Hey, wait a minute, man. I want to come back inside. Don't you understand it? I'm all right. I'm much better and I won't harm anybody. You got to let me come back inside and host. I. Well, that's a poor choice of words. I know I could be a host for something very terrible. And I, no, I, I, don't, I just got, I got to come back inside and host episode six of Opening Weekend, Yay. the movie podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. I'm Jason O'Connell, by way of Wilford Brimley, and I am once again joined by my very dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back in time to June 25th, 1982. MASH was the number one TV show. Ebony and Ivory was the number one song. And E.T. <laughs> the Extraterrestrial was just beginning its jaw-dropping and still unrivaled 16-week reign as the number one movie at the box office. Interestingly, it's also a weekend that saw two underperforming, tepidly reviewed, and incredibly dark science fiction films, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner and John Carpenter's The Thing, go on to be reappraised decades later as two of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. However, as three elementary school-aged boys in Ronald Reagan's America, the film most geared towards us that weekend was Megaforce, a two-hour G.I. <laughs> Joe toy commercial starring Barry Bostwick. But before we dig into the goodness that was that badness, we're going to take a quick look at the weekend's only intentional comedy offering, Monty <laughs> Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> Concert film featuring all of the original troops members, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, and Graham Chapman, Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl featured a combination of new material and classic sketches, including The Ministry of Silly Walks, Nudge Nudge, The Last Supper, Sit on My Face, and I'm a Lumberjack. The film earned only $328,000 in a limited North American release, but enjoyed a robust life on home video. Fred and Dan, as an amuse-bouche to this week's trio of genre <laughs> flicks, what did you guys think of Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl? Oh, it was! I had a blast. I was a huge Python fan. Not at that age. I didn't see the movie when it first came out. Uh, my dad, being from England, was a, a huge fan. Oh, we that's had right. every episode yes. of The Flying Circus on VHS that he taped off PBS. Same. And I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't get into Monty Python until I was a little older, probably sixth, seventh grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I was ten years old. Um, so and and and, but then when I got into it, I got into it. I mean, me and my friends knew. All of the skits we did. Actually, my my friend Damon and I, I think for a talent show, we did 
the Last Supper scene. Um, we did uh. that in the parrot scene. Like we knew them all by heart. It's a um, that's a very good bit. The oh writing on it is so good. So good. It's ju- it's just perfect. A last supper I commissioned from you, and a last supper I want with twelve disciples and one Christ. One? Yes, one. <laughs> now, will you please tell me what in God's name possessed you to paint this with three Christs in it? It works, mate. Works? Yeah. It looks great. The fat one balances the two skinny ones. What struck me, what, it was so fun seeing the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, it was yeah, like... Yeah, wasn't that cool? It was so cool. It was like, to me, it, I'm a big Rush fan. It reminded me... <laughs> Of like a Rush concert because it was all like young white guys who like dragged their girlfriends. There weren't that many women there. Um, oh yeah, that audience was full they, of dorks. The audience was just giddy because like there's that thing with Monty Python, like especially when you're younger, like when you discover them, you are in. Like Mark McKinney from The Kids and All has a quote, which is one of my favorite quotes ever, where he said, you know, they were growing up, there were two groups of people. There's the group that loved Monty Python and the group that didn't get them, and those people were all idiots. <laughs> and you get that feeling watching this. The audience is just, they're so fucking into it, and they're so excited. To see it live at, in a you know, in a live venue with as many people there as there were, it, it a lot of the skits that I knew very well, like I love the argument, you know, when Michael Palin goes and says, I'd like to have oh, an argument, best. please. Yeah. That's one of the best. Mm. I know that one really, really well and a couple of the others, you know, and I was like, oh, it just feels so different seeing it live and hearing it live. It just feels different to me. The timing is is a little bit different. They're playing a little more presentationally. You know, it's 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 really, really fun. I got into um Monty Python because my my cousin I was I was down um I had cousins who lived down in, in Jersey Shore in a town called Tom's River and we went um to get uh something at the video store and my cousin uh Dorian who's great she's awesome she's a uh screenwriter and playwright now and and she and she uh she was like oh let's get this and it was Monty Python's Life of Brian right and mm. my, and we were all like what the fuck is this and she was like just trust me <laughs> and so we went back to my cousin's house and we watched it and my sister and my other cousins were like what the hell is this? I mean, like they were not laughing and I was hysterically laughing. Like I, I was like, this is brilliant. I don't know what this is, but it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. You know, I got to say, now I, I love life of Brian. I love meaning of life, obviously yeah. Holy grail. I love the Monty Python movies and I really liked the Monty Python TV show. Although I was never, I'm not a Monty Python guy, really. I've never really been, that I wonder why that into- is because you you seem to be so even knowing your sense of humor it's yeah. right in line with that. I mean, I, it's not that I don't I, it's not that I don't like them, but I've never been passionate about them. Really, I think the most passionate I was about them was was Life of Brian the the, the always look on the bright side of life sure, like that. Yeah. Much like the Inquisition, like that you know from History of the World, it was like this thing that really. It grabbed my imagination, and I just loved how irreverent that was. Life's a piece of shit when you look at it. Life's a laugh, and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. I gotta say, I 
did not love this experience watching this movie. And oh, I, really? Yeah, because I think, like I said, I, I like the TV show. I like the movies. Something about a movie, a concert version of these sketches didn't quite do it for me. Like, I almost mm. like them better in their original I, format. I do, too. I, I, I do agree. Too. I There's agree. There's also me, something. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it was just more. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it. It was fun to watch. It brought back a lot of memories. I was like, oh shit, I forgot about that sketch and this and that. And yeah. for me, it was just it was just nostalgic and more fun, like I said, to watch the audience and, and feel what it was like. You know, just that group where you, you find something experience. that you love so much and it's like your secret. And then there were some things because they were so famous. I remember thinking, I think like the nudge nudge sketch was one of them where I, I started thinking, I, I was like, this is like watching a church lady sketch from Saturday Night Live, like like three years after Dana Carvey started yes. doing the church lady, where the audience is just kind of like whooping it up and, and screaming and laughing just because they recognize something. Well, isn't that special? I was a little surprised at the sketches that weren't in it. Like the parrot, the parrot. sketch, <laughs> the most well, they famous do that, sketch. But that, yeah, because they, but they do that one in, uh, and now for something, something completely, completely different. different. Okay, yeah, do they do yeah, the yeah. cheese and, sketch in that one? Because that's my all-time favorite is the cheese I sketch. I believe they do. Yeah. Yes, that is. You like that one, Jason? I the love the cheese sketch. sketch. I love that's the parrot sketch, too. Yeah. And, and of did, course, Ministry of Silly Walks, like John Cleese. Yeah, that's great. John Cleese is amazing. That very first sketch where Graham Chapman wrestles himself. He's wrestling with was himself. Was hysterical. That reminded me very much of like Jim Carrey in Liar Liar or Steve yes. Martin in All of Me. That yeah. kind of yes. incredible. Like, yes. just, it just tickled the hell out of me. Yeah. That, yeah, that was really, stuff really, that really Little known fact, Graham Chapman's very last performance before he sadly passed away was in an Iron Maiden video. Come Can on. I Play With Madness? Really? Which combined two of my favorite things at that time. That's my favorite Iron Maiden song because Can of you, I Fred. Play with madness? That's right. You guys would sleep over and I would wake you guys up every morning by blasting that. The oh fact that God. I have any friends is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, Graham Chapman was in that video and then he passed away. So. Oh my God. But I was like a pig in shit. I was like, oh my God, Mighty Python and British Heavy Metal. This is amazing. I, together. I do have That's to say cool. one other thing. It felt more sexist to have a woman come on stage and do barely anything. I, I know what you mean. I thought you know the same I mean? thing. But I, was, yeah. but, as, but I was thinking, I don't remember if women sometimes appeared on Flying yeah, Circus. She, oh, no, she was she on the did. show. They, they she sort was on Flying ta- Circus. They sort of was consider she? her... Yeah. Um, Sort of, the, her name's Carol Cleveland. They, they, they sort of consider her the seventh Python in a way. Now, the guy wow. who's singing and playing. Is- yeah, the guy who's singing and playing guitar, I've never seen him in my life. He's I from the Ruddles. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay. I, I was trying to figure out. I'm like, wait, why do I know that guy? I'm like, yeah. oh, he's from the Ruddles. Um, but Carol but Cleveland no, she, is on she, a, a lot of the episodes, a lot of them. And she usually plays somebody who's like. You know, would you like to go upstairs? Like she's just like yeah. she, 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 she it, usually know, is in that kind of role. Then you know what? Yeah, I, I know what you. I know what you meant, Jason. Because it's like you. Yeah. You know. Then it's like you when the women have some uh, really something to do or a more comic character. It's like it almost start. You wonder are these guys like Jerry Lewis? Are they like women aren't funny? So we'll do. We'll we'll play like the formidable female roles. I, I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm just saying it is sure. odd. It's like if you're gonna play all the women, then play all the women. And if you're not, <laughs> why 
you know, why have her just do things like here's yeah. coffee, here's tea, and then like, yeah. leave stage or be a, uh, you know, I don't know. I, th- I found I, it a little. Uh, I, I, I did too. I I thought the same thing when she came on because also you know, especially with the pythons, like kids in the hall, like that's what they did. They did drag all the time. They always played the women. Um, yeah, and kids so in the did, hall never had women on. From no, what I no, can no, recall, no. Right. So no. it's like if you're staying to that aesthetic, it's like okay, we're all male and we do everything. It's like oh, okay, I I got yeah. you. But yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was one thing that. Kind Kind of stuck out to me. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Who did you say your favorite Python was, Fred? Was it John Cleese? It, no, it jumped around. I always Same liked. Same for I mean, me. Same I, for me. I, I, I never had a favorite. Like it, it, they were all. And that's the thing. There were no weak links. They were. Yeah. They were all great. They all. I just, for whatever reason, in this particular concert, it, I was really struck by just how strong John Cleese is and the stuff that he yeah, does. Man. He's just such a powerhouse. Um, I feel like um, in this, you really get to see Eric Idle's sort of live chops, his theater chops, in a way mm, that you don't necessarily... He's wonderful on the show, obviously, but he ramps it up for this. Like, he's playing out, he's turning out, he's playing to the back of the house, you know what I mean? Like, he's making making the adjustment for stage, for a big stage, Mm -hmm. and that makes total sense, because he's a theater guy, I mean, he created Spamalot, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's, he's, he's he's a guy who understands that, okay, this is different from being on the small screen, he ramps it up, and I I thought he was wonderful. Is your your wife a goer, eh? Know what I mean, know what I mean, nudge, nudge, know what I mean, say anymore. I beg your pardon? Your, uh, your wife. Does she go, eh? Does she go, eh? Eh? Well, she sometimes has to go, yes, of course. I bet she does, I bet she does. Say no more, say no more, know what I mean? Nudge, nudge. My favorite was Terry Jones, who I had never thought twice and about. And he's very to be subtle. Very, right? He's, he's very so subtle, subtle yeah. which, made, yeah, yeah, which yeah. made it kind Except of. Except when he plays his women, and then he's like, "Yes, he, he starts to break. Anymore. He breaks that last one, and that's a oh. fun thing. You well, never see the python. His wing flies yeah. off, <laughs> but he's breaking before that. If you, oh. yes. he's re- he's he's starting to crack up before that, and I love that, that sketch. Rat pudding, rat cake, rat sauté, and strawberry tart. Strawberry tart. That's got some rat in it. How many? Three. <laughs> Rather a lot. I mean, it's, that's a I wouldn't. That's funny. I, and they closed with that sketch. That's an obscure yeah. one. That's like that's like a a, a, a deep dive for, for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, 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 yeah, he's he's he takes it to a to a a very different um, kind of place. But it, it, you never see the pythons corpsing is what it's called in mm. Britain. We call it just sort of breaking. But you never see the pythons corpse on the on the show. But you see them do it here and that was that so was fun. pretty fun yeah yeah i think john cleese has got to be the got to be the guy you know because you can't not laugh at him even when he's playing the straight man he's so committed a thousand percent of the time all the time he always felt like the star to me and you know i, yeah. I don't know if he was ever um i don't know if they kind of ever promoted in that way but that's what he always mm. felt like to me it was like well there's the john lennon <laughs> or the john yeah. belushi or the it's yeah. like the front man no, um to me it always yeah. seemed like it was like him and michael palin Mm-hmm. The two leaders. I don't know if that were the, was the case at all, um, but I well, was. They're the cheese sketch. They're the parrot sketch. I mean, they yeah. have so yeah. many great duo sketches. The two of them, you know. I'm so, so excited great. for uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, not to jump the gun, but we are going to get to a fish called Wanda, which yeah, stars both of them. They're so, great. They're so great. great. And I haven't seen that movie in such a long time, but I remember Same. loving it so much. And I just watched it recently, so actually, with the kids. Did you? Came on. Yeah, I'm so excited to watch that one again. So you know what would have made what I think what would have made uh 
Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl a little better. If and apparently they talked about this, but if they filmed it in Introvision, <laughs> I think uh, if they. I love you, Fred. I love your. Thank you for segueing. <laughs> was that a good segue? That was a yes. great segue. <laughs> To our next film, what's that you say? You've never heard of Introvision? Well, you will after you've seen Megaforce. From the director who brought you Smokey and the Bandit, Cooper, Cannonball Run, comes the ultimate spectacle. Megaforce, an elite compact fighting unit armed with the most sophisticated weapons ever seen on a movie screen. The mission to preserve freedom and justice and battle the forces of evil. The good guys always win, even in the 80s. Megaforce. Commander Ace Hunter, a high-tech soldier with a flying motorcycle played by who else? Barry Bostwick, leads an international, ethnically diverse, racially insensitive secret super squad to defend Major Zara, played by the bald lady from Star Trek The Motion Picture, Persis Combata, and her people from Ace's military academy friend, Duke Guerrera, overplayed by Henry Silva. While Hunter composes an elaborate battle plan to destroy Guerrera's forces, Zara tries out to become a member of Megaforce. But even though she executes and passes a variety of tests, Ace is unable to allow her to participate in the raid because sexism. The film's homoeroticism is so thick you could cut it with a Megaforce brand penis rocket, as Ace suggests that the Force come up the backside of Guerrero's mountains and punch a hole through his forces as they enter his old friend's dry bed. Megaforce pioneered the use of introvision, a system that allows actors to walk in and out of photographs instead of sets. The film had no credited costume designer as all the clothes were designed seriously by the toy company Mattel. One of a handful of films with a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes, Megaforce was nominated for three golden raspberries, including Worst Picture. A sequel, titled Deeds Not Words, was put into development before the film's disastrous box office torpedoed those plans, as Megaforce took in $2.3 million on its opening weekend on its way to a total box office haul of $5.6 million. Ooh. Fred and Dan... What did you think of Team America World Police? I'm so sorry. I mean, Megaforce. You mentioned G.I. Joe. How many years before G.I. Joe is this? And, and I mean G.I. Joe, the cartoon that shot to shot G.I. Joe back onto the scene in the 80s. I think it's like the same year or the is year. It really? I think it's right around that time. Give him the stick. No, give him the stick. Do you know who my dad? G.I. Joe! The whole time I was watching this, I was thinking two things. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. And B, <laughs> when is it going to, you know, and that was coupled with, there, there was a whole like sort of pyramid of thoughts. How much longer is this movie going to go? What What is actually happening now? Like what you felt about Super Mario Brothers, Jason, I felt about this movie. I could not follow it. I couldn't follow it, but we'll get to that. But the second thought I had was like, have they just if they just waited a year or two, 
You take all this same shit and make GI Joe. You make GI Joe. You make that movie well, where, where where you have all those characters from the. You said it was. Were there Mega Force figures and stuff? Did Mattel follow there, through in any way? There were like there were Mega Force vehicles and things. I saw that. Ad, makes I, sense. I looked that up and I saw ads for that, like the the weaponry, the the, oh the motorcycle God. and the the van transport things. I don't know if there were action figures. I remember. I remember seeing the ad for Megaforce in the in the comic strip of the, the oh, Sunday funnies yeah. in the newspaper. There was like a, a full page ad or a half page ad, and it was like this full color cartoon. Well, you kind were of a big cartoon. fan of Mary Worth, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, and I was like, finally, she's getting her due. Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, finally, Barry, she has Barry, an elite force of super soldiers. Barry Bostwick also played Mary Worth at one point, so that's why it's confusing. <laughs> no, but um, he grew the beard for this to differentiate. Um, but he had the same bandana, the baby <laughs> yeah, blue bandana. Absolutely, of course. Well, she sweats a lot. Um, yeah. 80s no, Mary Worth But there was like a, full, like a full page ad in the newspaper, and it was, but it was interestingly enough in the comic section. So, for, yeah. so it was directly targeted to kids. And what I thought, I remember as a kid thinking, it was an ad for toys because it looked very much like literally like the same ad that would be in a, a comic book or something for action figures. So I thought that's what it was. And it had drawings of the vehicles and stuff. So it really looked like an ad for toys. But then it said, it said, are you man enough? <laughs> it says, it says, like, are you man enough for Megaforce is what wow. it says. And it's got Barry Bostwick pointing at the uh, you know at the viewer like which is, Uncle Sam which is sort of the same way with like the village people being like are you man enough to come to the YMCA <laughs> well clearly <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. like everyone's like oh yeah the YMCA and you're like well no you don't really understand what this song's about it. do you you don't really get it yeah and then it says that's and, what this is and at the bottom of the end it says uh, opens June 25th at a theater I was like this is a movie I remember that as a kid being like this is a movie you know where I was June 25th when Megaforce opened in the theaters watching Megaforce. Oh my God, God you're damn you're right I was. I you're saw a liar. It. I saw it opening weekend in the theaters. I was. And I, I saw and, it two days ago. I'd never <laughs> seen it before. I, we talk about it all the time, but I have never seen it before. Yeah, I, I, never it, seen I, it before I feel like Jason, like years ago, I brought it up to you, and you were like, "No, you're making that up. That's not real." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm telling you, Mega." It was like Mega Force and Condor Man were these two movies that I always. Talked I remember. About. Con- I know Condor no, Man. I we got to do saw, that sometime. I, oh god! Yeah, I just yeah. met Michael Crawford lately. Uh, lately, I met him recently. Oh wow! And uh, and the first thing I said was, "Oh, yeah, oh my god, I love Condor Man." He loved <laughs> what did he say? But um. He was so happy. He was like, Tundo Man! <laughs> he was so excited. Tundo Man! I remember really sort of loving it, I think, when I saw it as a kid. Wow. And, and I, and you're I, sure you're a little kid. And I went in I'm also. Dumb I had heard, well, I heard two <laughs> things. Um, what did you I'm say, sorry. Dan? He said you were a dumb little kid, but, dumb, but I'm defending you. I could see how a child would enjoy this. No, I was. But I was excited because I had heard... Uh, now I, it wasn't Intravision. I didn't realize because when I when I was rewatching it a couple of nights ago, that was the first thing I was like, what? "That comes up right on the credits." Right. It's like filmed in Intravision. I thought, "What the fuck is Intravision?" <laughs> but at the time when I was a kid, I knew there was something about the movie that I'd heard that was like they were doing something that had never been done before, and it had something to do with those motorcycles. I knew like th- they were really pushing the flying motorcycle thing, and I might have <laughs> read about it in a Starlog magazine, which I'll get to later because. <laughs> 
all of these movies sort of came together for me in this one issue of Starlog that I got when I was in England. And it might have been in that particular issue, but I had been reading about how, like, this movie was doing things for special effects that it was going to change the whole face of things. So I was... I was just waiting. I was like, when is that fucking scene when he gets on the flying motorcycle? Where's the flying motorcycle? And it when says it came, nothing for special effects, this movie. It, 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 it sets it takes special the effects back. back 20 years. Blows it back to the We are right. well after Star Wars and Empire at this point, right? Oh, yeah. no. It was rewatching this is a, it. The, the effects in this are d- mule shit. They, it, they're, it's, they're the worst. It is... It's all, and then there was also there was like a special thing in the credit. It said "flying in parachute scenes" yeah. by Zoptic. That's and again, the, I was like, "What the? What, what is Zoptic?" That, that's the company that did that created all the flying effects for Superman. It was a oh, company. It didn't. Ex, it didn't exist oh. until they had to come up with. They created this special system to do the the rear projection for the flying sequences. Easy, miss. I've got you. You. You've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> It's funny because when it first starts, it seems like it's very, you know, like this. It's it's almost like Red Dawn. You know, there's this there's this, uh, this seriousness about it. You know. Oh, I was already confused. Forty seconds in, I was like, I don't. Is this the? Are these people the Megaforce? Oh no, these people are the enemy. Okay, right. who's the Megaforce? Then you get an interminable. You get. How long was that scene of Edward Mulhair, who we love from Knight Rider, and Persis Combine? Oh, that's where he was from. I couldn't. Yeah. I was yes. like, who is this? They couldn't get Michael Caine, so they got this guy. He's the poor man's Michael Caine. He walked through the room. She was like, that's the poor man's Michael Caine. He's I was like, why do I know him? He's sort of the poor man's Rex Harrison, in a way. Yes. He, you could see oh, him that playing scene that of them in, the de- in the desert, just waiting. Oh, in this, he's it, the poor man's car. Edward Mulhair. He's in a car. They're in a car for... It felt like 45 minutes. They're in a car and then they're waiting in a desert. And only then do you find out who the Megaforce are. Uh, It was in just Who apparently really like holograms. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, there are all these holograms which never get – they get used in one moment to distract distract one of the guys with a picture of a half-naked woman on a beach. I have to say, Dan, it's very funny because we've kind of switched – roles here in terms of you know on the super mario front where i i did not this is not a good movie this is a terrible movie <laughs> but it's fun but i laughed i was oh god me too kate, kate was sitting with me she was like this is mind numbing this is the worst thing and i was like i know it's terrible. I but I was laughing when so that much. music kicks in. That is the greatest one of the greatest soundtracks. I immediately, I was like, "This there needs to be a musical. Someone needs to choreograph." <laughs> well, that. you know, there is a musical. It's Team America: World Police. I think it's oh, why yeah. I enjoyed it so much. Is that it is so? I was like, "Oh my god, this is Team America." where Team America got the idea from. And apparently they did. Matt Stone and Trey Parker were big fans of Megaforce. And oh, they, well, that makes sense. And they, and they kind okay. of co-opted it. it, 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 it oh like, that God. movie's supposed to be, you know, we. I think we all love Team America. I think we all saw it yeah, together. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that movie. And I think 
what I've read is that it was basically a combination of Megaforce and Thunderbirds, the Thunderbirds, show with the puppets. Yeah. Oh, Thunder, so yeah, it was sure. like taking the, the kind because well, it is, it's like, we're this, indie, you know, I mean, it's sure. instead of Team America, it's like Team Internacional, you know, right? It's like all these, sure. and I love, you mentioned the, the one guy who's got the goddamn Confederate flag on his arm. Oh, I'm like, oh my, my God. But you know but you what have that to remember, made this me is think the Dukes of, of Hazzard right, time. You, you know? read my mind. I had it in my head that this movie was like, I mentioned Red Dawn or like the Delta Force, like a Lee Marvin movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a real like gritty action movie. But then you forget, you're like, no, this was directed by Hal Needham, who did the Cannibal Run movies and Smokey and the Bandits, you know, right. Stroker Ace. Oh, and he he's he's in it. He's the guy like in, in the, the control guy center. inside the control. Oh yeah. Yes. He's controlling all he's this. He's good. Stuff. He's but, good. I was like, does, I want to know more about this guy. I know, I liked him. <laughs> but well, that makes what, sense what? that it was Hal Needham because I was like, this doesn't look oh, like yeah. a guy who'd normally be cast in this. No. There was something and about then, you know what I mean, so it's interesting that it was and the director what, doing what, his. What I really started to think, wait a minute, what's maybe this wasn't like the serious action movie I thought it was, <laughs> was when every time Henry Silva spoke, because when you first see Henry Silva who plays the bad guy, he, oh, I mean, bet. he's got this really intense evil look, but then by the end of the movie, he's like Hunter, hey, what are you doing? I thought he was, he was like, coked up. Honestly, I was like, oh what? I was like, he is. He is like something, him somebody dialed the- him up to 11 and he stayed there. Everything about this movie was crazy. Yes. It, like the whole scene that, that played between Barry Bostwick and, and, and the bald girl from, from Star Trek. From where they, they literally do a whole scene in silhouette against yes. a magenta background. Uh, yes. Which I what thought was visually was interesting. I thought, well, that's, <laughs> but, I've never seen that in a movie before. <laughs> and you never will again. No. For a good reason. He was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He, he was, he looked like I kept thinking, I was like, what is it? What is it? I was like, he looks like a Will Ferrell parody of yes. a macho guy. Absolutely. Like everything, like the, yes. his hair, the beard. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. This has to be a comedy on some level, right? Well, that's but- the thing. That's the thing that I kept thinking is like, uh, with just the slightest little quarter turn it towards archness you know what i mean which barry bostwick is already doing like he's already uh, halfway there if not three quarters of the way he's there. playing it like it's airplane he's right exactly. like he's ted striker an airplane you're so <laughs> god you're reading my mind all over the place i was like sometimes he could he have is. played that role right after this you know yes. what i mean or right before this i was like that's perfect casting because he understands what it is to spoof something and also be in it at the same time that's yeah. what he's doing no one else is doing that only him guys there was there was there was a love scene in, in the air yes. when they're in parachutes it was a parachute love scene that, that's when they fall that, in love that's another thing that reminded me of superman it felt like it My was God. like the parachute version of can you read The only thing it's missing is Persis Kambata doing a voiceover saying like, Oh, Ace Hunter, you you both antagonize and seduce me with your wild ways and your sweat-soaked bandana. (laughs) But they get into all these weird positions in the air. Like they, yes, they, they're, they're 69ing. Yeah, they're 69ing. I was gonna say, but they're 69ing in the air, and I then know. like somebody pulls somebody else's ripcord. Hello, and they go, Brink, and it goes and what away. What was the thumb kiss thing? Oh my was god, it, was that introduced somewhere? They just they just start doing it. That it's was their thing where they would so kiss their weird. thumb. They do it out of the blue, and they just That's seem the to know ends. that the other person's <laughs> doing it. And it ends with this this beatific smile, like he's this I've got look a on his face. England. It's the most amazing look of. Ju- I, 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 
I oh was so God. impressed with Barry Bostwick, how much he kind yes. of committed to the lunacy of it. Like oh, when yeah. he's riding that motorcycle in the sky, that horrible special effect of him on the motorcycle and it turns completely it goes 360 I was, degrees oh God. I he, kept going they're not they're not going upside down he's not going to go up, he's 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 doing uh, a loop de loop it's so funny going upside down it's so funny because what it looks like oh is it looks like the end of Greece it, it looks like a, oh, yeah. Danny and Sandy driving the, the car into together. heaven and the funny Michael thing is Michael Beck and Barry Bostwick riding off to the heavens Barry together. Bostwick <laughs> Barry Bostwick originated the role of Danny Zuko on Ew. Broadway Correct. You're kidding. And I thought that's so funny because that look on his face, that like overly like pleased with himself. Kind it's of. very well oh, and, and the moment when he jumps off, when he finally gets there, when he oh lands my God, and he jumps off and he does this like little flare, like ta-ta. And it's he just so loves great. it. That was the one so moment when I went, okay, this must be intro vision because that was actually kind of impressive is seeing him fly Getting through the air and the then thing. it goes completely upside down and it lands and he gets off of it mm-hmm. and it's seamless. There's no edit there. I and I was like, okay, that, that must be whatever intro vision is, was what we just saw. <laughs> well, it's funny because the intro vision, you know, we were, we were going back and forth about this by text, like, what the hell is this? And I was I looking it up and... it's still around or it wasn't like I remember something that surprised me they use it in Stand By Me with like the train scene like this is something that has been developed and used it's basically and it's actually a a pretty cool uh, process but it's different from map paintings right it's different from just map paintings yeah well it's basically uh, saying like a photograph instead right like using yeah but it's putting the actor so you can film you're filming like a matte painting Mm -hmm. or or a background and then you're also filming the actor at the same time and you're placing the actor in that photograph or whatever in real time and it's 3d so you get you get depth the perspective and the depth yeah um, I did weird. think it was cool. I, and I, you know, it's so funny that it says introvision in the credits and you're like, what the hell's introvision? I'm sure we all wrote the same thing in our notes. What the hell's oh, introvision? Yeah. And then like that scene where they're at the, well, I know I can tell kind of, but that, <laughs> I just wanted to give you a leg up here. Um, when they, the scene where they're walking into that underground bit, which again, so team America, so like Austin Powers, it felt like Very Dr. Austin Evil's Powers, lair yeah. too. But I did think I was like, Oh, there's something. It's so funny that I didn't put it together. Because I didn't know what introvision was, but I should have thought, well, this must be it. Because there was something about that shot where it's like four of them walking by the, the you know, they're showing the expanse of that underground kind of uh, uh, layer or base, command base. And I thought, this looks so different. It doesn't didn't look like yeah. a matte painting. It right. didn't look it's like quite mm. any quite, didn't look quite like any effect that I could remember. And I thought you know it, it was intriguing. Like- Intravision. But I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea that's what I was looking at. It yeah. was slapping me right in the face and I didn't know. I just loved the, 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 the song at the end, I Can't Get Out of My Head. It was like a Journey wannabe band. I think they're called 808 or 707. Or- <laughs> well, I think we can all agree that uh, no, no matter what, Megaforce is memorable. It is memorable, like it yes. or not. I, no. I, had a, I had a blast watching it. I, I mean, I think it's funny. More memories of seeing it as a as a kid, Fred. Do you have is there is there a a, a a strong memory of what you felt seeing this piece of shit as a kid? I, 
I remember <laughs> at the time it's being not a really question. cool because <laughs> there, there was an ownership that I took over it. You know, that I took, it was like it was not many movie. other. Yeah, it was my movie. Like no one else had seen it. People were going to see other movies. I'm like, nah, nah I'm a Megaforce guy. You were going to see guy. Megaforce. I'm Barry Bostwick. <laughs> that's all the how way. I felt about ordinary people. But that's. Uh, <laughs> well, I felt that way about my dinner with Andre. <laughs> I just, I thought, I was like, wow, I want to get a fucking flying motorcycle. These things are amazing. Uh, Which I looked it like was, it was made out of cardboard, really. Oh, when the, like, the little wings, when the little up, wings like, came out, Jason. Oh, my God. I, I just went, Padink. I was like, you have to be fucking <laughs> like, okay. kidding me. One, two. He's remembering the, the, the instructions that George Firth, that wacky yeah, George hit Firth one gave button, him. Then hit another button, you <laughs> dipshit. That's why this movie should have been comedy. I mean, whatever. It, I think it was. I think it kind of was actually, oh, but they didn't commit. God. You're right; they didn't God. commit. And and I'm. Yeah, I gotta say, as much as much fun as I had watching it, when you consider the the disparity in special effects technology between this movie and a film that came out on the exact same day, mm-hmm. Blade Runner. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, you know, I mean, hey, budget is everything, right? And talent is everything. So what you put behind it and what you put into it is what you get. But it is hard to believe that they're uh, of the same, <laughs> of the same era, but, much less the same day. But you know, yeah. it's funny from what I, when I was looking up Intravision, apparently they wanted to use Intravision for Blade Runner. Uh, I- Wow. I read that somewhere, well, I mean, and, and the producer, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Alan Ladd? Was that the name of the producer? Yes. Uh, yes. Was like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to go with that. But they, <laughs> well, I mean, smart. whatever they did, <laughs> I got to say, Thank I mean, they dodged a bullet. <laughs> anyway. Megaforce. Uh, it's a Megaforce. Megaforce. Oh, Megaforce. Force it into Mega. <laughs> fly right into your dry bed. <laughs> Pierce, make a hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dig your way in. Guerrero will know that you're there. Behind him. With your megaphones. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Oh. Anyway, Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. I was looking for six replicants. In a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen a buzzer. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. In a cyberpunk vision of the future, man has developed the technology to create replicants, humanoid androids with short, fixed lifespans, which are illegal on Earth, but which are used in off-world colonies. Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, is a Blade Runner, a cop who specializes in terminating replicants. He is forced to come out of retirement when four of the skin jobs, as the epithet goes, appear in Los Angeles circa 2019. The film, loosely based on Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, has been subject to multiple revisions over the years, including the director's cut in 1992 and the final cut 
in 2007. The biggest changes from the 1982 original are the elimination of a Sam Spade-like voiceover from Ford and a happy ending that is left more ambiguous in later versions. The film made $6 million in its opening weekend on its way to $32.8 million domestically and $41.4 million worldwide. Harrison Ford never publicly warmed to the film, even in its later iterations, praising it as visually spectacular but claiming it didn't move him, that it was merely an exercise in design. I tend to agree, but Dan and Fred, what did you think of Blade Runner? I love it. I loved it when it came out. I still love it to this day. It was a very important film for me. Did you see it then? Uh, I I didn't see it when it first came out, but I remember very vividly. You're busy watching Megaforce. I was... (laughs) I think if Blade Runner had a song like that, it would have done much better. I think so. Um, yeah, you're saying you're saying Blade Runner, made, Blade Runner made six million, Megaforce made five point three million. That is a uh, sad no, state no, of affairs. No, 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 no. Megaforce made five point three million in its entirety <laughs> okay, of okay. its run, but okay, it did make three. I think it made. Two or three, I, I forget what I what number I said. It was like two or three million opening gotcha. weekend, and then gotcha. it only made a couple million more, and and they closed up shop on Megaforce entirely. Wow! But yeah, no, Sorry, Blade Fred. Runner did better. Blade Runner, did Blade better. Runner did better. I think so, and I think it did better as 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 a movie in the end. But I remember. Um, I was in England. I was talking to my dad about this. I was trying to go back in time, and I got the May. 1982 issue of Starlog magazine, which uh, had Harrison Ford on the cover as Deckard. And oddly enough, and I, I remember this this issue because at the time, this is when I first started to really uh, collect Starlog magazines and hmm. get really into that side of movie making and whatnot. And and obviously, I was a huge Harrison Ford fan because of Raiders and Star Wars. So this was, I was so excited because. <laughs> For, for for whatever reason, it's so weird, but I remember thinking like, wow, look at his haircut. That's a different haircut that we've seen on Harrison Ford. And it was just a different look. But I remember reading in the magazine, and this was in May, so it was before it came out. And I, I think it, I feel like I remember reading that it might have premiered in England before it came to the States. But anyway, I remember reading about it and... Even the way it was presented, it, it was, even back then, it, it was being built up as like a very different important science fiction movie i didn't see it in the the movies when it came out i think i feel like i saw it right when it came out on vhs you know i was like please we have to rent this Mm -hmm. um and i i i really liked now i don't think i got it maybe as a kid yeah but it stuck with me and uh it became just like a part of my science fiction DNA. Visually, uh, it's like nothing. You know, it, 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 it's so right. many films since then go back to, say, I mean, <laughs> two of the ones we've talked about recently. Batman's designers, they said they were going to look for kind of a bit of a Blade Runner feel. Super Mario Brothers, they kind of, yeah. they really yeah. went all in on a, a, um, a dystopian Blade Runner kind of feel. But and succeeded, and they succeeded. Uh, yeah. On both counts. Um <laughs> It it's felt, a mega. It, it's it a Blade Runner feel on a Megaforce budget. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, how many? Fi- I mean, countless films since Blade have said it's like visually, this is what we're going for. This is what sure. we're aiming for. Yeah, and I can't believe because I watched, and I will get into what versions we watch. I only watched the 1982 
original. I think I've seen other versions over mm-hmm. the years, but for this, I was like, well, I'm going to go back to like what was out the day that it was released. You know, sure. that's what I want to see. And, um, and I can't believe it. And I kept checking. I was like, oh no, I must be watching the wrong, the wrong one because I couldn't believe how incredible the effects were, yeah, how incredible beautiful. the visuals were. That, it's that gorgeous. Op- it's that opening beautiful. shot just with the flames coming up, the smoke coming up, the towers, the, the, the evangelist music playing. And every time they show gorgeous. that 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 main kind of oddly pyramid-like, you know, building at the center yeah. of the city yeah. and, and all of those 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 computerized screens. You know, it's so prescient too. Like so much of Philip Absolutely. Dick's work, right? I mean, like it's so much like, yeah, we have those kinds of like wall, entire buildings that are a video screen now. It's, it's incredible. Right, um, yeah. It's Times Square. But Hong it Kong looked so good, so seamless. I, and I, yeah. I Sometimes I thought so, it looked better than Star than some of the Star Wars stuff. I, well, I was just so was impressed so, by what it. What was so cool about it, and I and I, I look at a movie like Children of Men in the same view, that it yeah. showed, and I think people said this at the time, it showed a future that seemed very plausible. Yeah. You know, it was very much rooted it wasn't, I mean, yes, there were the spinners, which is what, you know, the flying spaceship, you know, the, mm-hmm, the, the cars mm-hmm. and everything. And there was that element of sci-fi and obviously the replicants. And they talk about the off-world colonies, but you don't go there. Everything is very much grounded. It's on the street. It's the pavement. It's the rain. It's like the Chinatown yeah. area. Yep. There's, mm. it, it was a very grounded and gritty future that you can see i can see where this is going and as you said it's very prescient because you know i mean the funny thing is you're watching it now and it's, it's november 2019 i know that's when it takes place yeah isn't that crazy yeah that's which so is weird. wild but i do remember as a kid because i've seen all the versions um mm-hmm. and i saw the last one that was released i actually saw the Ziegfeld. Uh, so I saw that on the big screen. Now, I and mentioned I, two other f- kind of famous ones. Are there, I know there are more than that, but I don't know if they've been for public there's consumption, There's like six really. or seven right. different versions. Yeah. But the but the main ones are the 82 release, then there was the 92 director's cut, and then there's the final cut. The director's right. cut and the final cut are pretty much the same. Um, they both mm. lose the narration. There's a little more violence in some of the scenes the biggest difference i think with, with the final cut is they just color correct some stuff mm. but story-wise it's it's all the same and they both but have the unicorn daydream they, they have the unicorn day which that's the biggest thing and but it's funny because i remember even as a kid thinking that something was off with the narration even as a hmm. kid, I was like, something doesn't sound right. Harrison Ford sounds weird. And we'll get to that because I have a theory behind it, um, <laughs> why it sounds so bad. They don't advertise for killers in a newspaper. That was my profession. Ex-cop. Ex-blade runner. Ex-killer. I had seen the 82 version, not in 82, but in, in, in a class at Hofstra in which we, we took together a lot of sci-fi films. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, we took yeah. that together. Yeah. It was sci-fi, westerns, and something else, right? It was a genre No, it was, just, it was, it was science fiction. It was just, well, it that was, was the whole class? That was the whole thing. And I remember because he talked about, we Jerry, watched right? this, and we talked, and we... And we uh, I think we watched we this shortly watched after Close Logan's Encounters. Run. We watched Close yeah, Encounters. Logan's Run, Close Encounters, uh, Zardoz, right? Zardoz. And then, because he was mentioning the teacher, I can't remember his name. Jerry Delamater. Jerry Delamater, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah, he's wonderful. He was uh, saying this that. This warms my heart. I forgot that we took that class together, Fred. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This As is mat- very heartwarming to me. Mr. Delamater, or whatever his name was, yes. was saying that, because he was talking about Alien, also directed by Ridley Scott, and he was basically saying that Blade Runner was... That was Alien was the space version of that time. That was going on in the spaceship. Blade Runner what was going on around that time on the ground. It's Alien. like they're, they're both in the same world. That Alien. was his really. Point. Oh, that's interesting. It, yeah, that was his. It was feeling just in terms of, of the looks of them. I don't remember him saying that. I'm so glad we took that class together. That's fantastic. Well, Alien, right? One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and that's the same director, Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that movie. And I've, that's one of the movies I've seen more than anything else. Mm-hmm. This, well, before we get to it, I'll ask you guys. What do you think is the point of this movie? What's the theme? What, do you, what, is, what are we supposed to walk away knowing about ourselves? Or what is the, what is the, what's the theme of it? Life is beautiful. You, that's it is you nice think? to be. No, I'm, I, I, oh. I, I don't. I'll tell I you, think- I don't come away with a lot from it. Okay. It, it, it um, and I'll, I'll talk more about my thoughts later. I, but I, I tend to feel, you know, the thing Harrison Ford was quoted as saying, and again, this is, he's probably said, you know, people contradict themselves in a million different interviews, but I wasn't, yeah. I was like, oh, that's how I feel when I read him say, it's visually spectacular. It's stunning. It's a triumph of design. It doesn't move me personally. He was in it. He says, it doesn't move me personally when I watch it. That's how I've always felt. I've always, and Fred, you showed it to me when we lived together uh, in Woodside and uh, I don't know if it was 94 oh God, or 5. I? That's the first time I think I watched it. You were like, you got to huh. watch Blade Runner. And we watched it at that apartment. And I was like, maybe it's just late. I'm watching it too late to, to get into it or something. <laughs> and I've... And again, I think I've only seen, unless unless that first time you maybe showed me the director's cut, you might have gotten that because that was after it came out in 92. So maybe I saw that version. I know I've seen the 82 version a couple of times. I always try to watch it and go in with um, real hopes that like, well, now it's going gonna, it's gonna to speak to me or it's going to mm. land for me in a different way. And it never quite does. It's beautiful. I'm mm-hmm. so drawn into it visually. I, I people sometimes say that it's it's slowly paced or bored. It's not that I find it bored. There's just something about it I don't quite. It never really connects with me in a way, and then it does start feeling boring and drawn out to me. And I, you know, and I like I love Philip Dick and Minority Report. I actually, which mm-hmm. I think is you know operates on you know is some in a similar place. It's it's exploring some of those same, um, yeah. you know, you talk about themes in terms of like well what uh what's our moral and ethical responsibility once we right. can do certain things and once we have created certain situations then what you know and and uh, uh we're in these brave new worlds then how do we operate uh, morally and ethically within yeah, them and i think, I think it's, yeah, it's also about our, our humanity what we do mm-hmm. you know with our humanity and the time that we have mm-hmm. but i agree mm-hmm. with you it's uh, it, but minority report speaks to me much more like grabs sure. me much more i don't know if it's spielberg it's a, versus ridley scott or something but it could be that it's a very, story in that film like captures me and doesn't let go and it's this a one cold is different. movie it's i mean in many ways i i hear what you're saying um and maybe my attachment to it is more nostalgia 
oriented, but I don't know because every time it's I watch it, beloved. I very beloved. It's highly beloved. I, I, so. I, I love, but it definitely is like an exercise in style. We give these things life, these replicants, right? And they don't know what they are yeah. in some cases, right? And, and certainly yeah. in the Sean Young case, don't, don't know what they are. And they've got these limited lifespans and... Uh, but they're more powerful than us. They're stronger than us. Like if they, you know, they they would rise up against us. So we have to take them down. But it, it, there's something, yeah, there's something to me about like uh, appreciating the humanity in in and, a, everyone. See, right? And that's like what the big argument. Human, right? so that, that was the thing with um with Harrison Ford. What what he, I think one of the reasons why he fought so hard. So between the two versions, the first version makes it very clear that Deckard is a not very clear but it, it plays more the fact that he's a, he's a human he's a human being but Ridley Scott and that's been the disagreement between them the the newer version with the unicorn scene and everything it's the idea is no he's a replicant and Ridley Scott has now come out publicly and said Deckard's a replicant Harrison <laughs> Ford has said from the start no he's human and that was to your to you guys points Harrison Ford's argument was you have to have some humanity in it You've got to have that side. Well, this is the thing. The 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 I I come away from the movie a little bit more towards Jason's side because I don't know I don't know who I'm supposed to care about. You know, it is a visually stunning movie. I sort of care about Deckard. You know, but if it's really about here is a subjugated class of people. Here's a group of people that are less than or that are seen as less than and they're they're not even allowed to be on this planet. They're supposed to be what I gathered was in essence yeah. slaves or workers on another planet. Okay, that's the group of people that I want to feel something for, you know? But because I don't know if it's rests in the performance of the four or five replicants that are in the movie. I don't know if it rests in them not being developed enough but what the movie focuses on obviously is the Harrison Ford character and uh I get that he's you know he's he I, I like it whenever he's troubled he kind of reminds me a little bit of Popeye Doyle except he, without without the uh without the um the the moral with more of a moral compass mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean he's got to do this job he's got to find this thing and solve this kid and, and and get rid of people but uh or get rid of replicants but he but each time it's it it grates on him and then he falls in love with the sean young uh character i'm rachel deckard it seems you feel our work is not a benefit to the public Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit. It's not my problem. May I ask you a personal question? Sure. Have you ever retired a human by mistake? No. But in your position, that is a risk. I've seen this kind of thing just done better. You know what I mean, and moved moved me more than with this movie. You know that um, what you're really talking about here is at its at its essence a Pinocchio story, right? The 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 replicants want to basically be a real boy, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the story of Data. I don't. I'm not a, the biggest fan of of that series, but these kinds of things were were touched on in the original Star Trek. And in some of the later series, like with the Borg, 
who are sort of human but mostly robot you know what i mean and stuff so you know this came before that obviously uh blade runner but you know what i mean i just think that this same kind of material about what makes us human you know they say the thing at the beginning of more human than human yeah so Mm. consciousness morality feelings emotions i guess that's what makes us human right whether we were born of woman or not whether we Mm -hmm. were made from from sperm and egg or not but uh and that's i think what the movie's trying to argue but i've just i've just seen that done better you know what i I mean mean, they do it moved me more seeing it done in other in other uh other other venues yeah i know what you mean they sort of they they sort of drop you in there's not you know, there's a little backstory in the beginning, and with again with the narration, there's more of that. You get more of that, um, but yeah, I mean, they could have maybe given more time to the replicants' plight. You, it's I, I always sort of like that. You're sort of dropped into this story that's been going on, and everyone knows these things. Like this is it's it's you you're it's not you're not seeing the replicants being treated like outcast or treated like that you you hear yeah, about it's it it's the after yeah it's the right. after mm-hmm. so yeah. and maybe by doing that you do lose a little i mean there were definitely i mean i love rutger Hauer in it and there's some well that's the, my that favorite moment is at the end he pulls him up and then yeah. just and then he says and but even I, the moment you know, where he finds out when die. when uh he finds out that leon dies he's got this moment where yeah it, it's like he almost starts to cry and he sort of looks like this like pouty little boy. Oh, and that's so funny you say that because I was like, oh, the replicants are children. Oh, they're just yeah. little children. They're learning. You know? they're, they're learning, learning. emotion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I fa- but maybe you're right. And they right. throw tantrums I mean, I, and get pouty and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And may, maybe I, I, you know, I never thought of it that way, but maybe if there was more given to that, you would feel a little bit more uh, or with the Sean Young character. I agree. I think it's, yeah, I think, I, I liked the Sean Young character, but she felt cold, cold, too. I mean, they all did. And and Daryl Hannah and Rutger Hauer, those replicants are introduced so late. Yeah. They just felt, to me, they just felt kind of like generic villains. They just felt like they were like, they looked cool, and they were yeah. striking, and visually striking, and, and there was menace within them, you know, and, and that was, I didn't, and maybe that's what you're, maybe that's, Partly the point, so that you don't empathize with them too early, that you're more well, surprised you're right, in Jason. the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're that right. that you're yeah. like, oh wait, I you know we're we're in Harrison Ford's shoes a little bit. Like they're yeah. just they're things to be defeated, to be taken down, to be found. And then by the seeing end, them as human is you, too easy. That's the easy. Yeah, route. yeah. yeah. You're so right. Maybe, you're right. But I think it makes it hard. I think it makes it hard for an audience even if it does even if it is helpful it for does. that it, turn. it happens very quickly you're right they do come in later and, and the turn does happen quickly i mean it's i still as you said i love the moment where roy does save him and he pulls him up and he gives that beautiful speech i've seen things you people wouldn't believe <laughs> attack ships on fire off the shoulder of orion I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Ten Houser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. 
from what I've seen, I, they, they're not very different. The three cuts, or no? the three main cuts, are not very different in terms of time. So it, right. it is there. So there's not too, too much no, added big, or cut from any of them, the, right? The only thing, as far as I can remember, it, it, the only thing is the added unicorn scene. And the idea is that he has this, that Deckard has this memory mm-hmm. of a unicorn and Gaff, the Edward James Olmos yeah. character is always making these little origami. And the idea is that he makes at the end, he makes a little unicorn. unicorn so yeah. he knows that that's the implanted memory in Deckard's brain. The only way he would know that is if Deckard was a replicant and he looked at his files, just like they looked at Sean Young's files. I will say so, right now that I am not smart enough to have put that together. Even <laughs> if the, even if they were like, put the unic, put the memory of the unicorn side by side on a split screen with the fucking origami unicorn, I still would not have put that together the way you just put that together. If, There's if, no way. What if Harrison Ford did a voiceover oh, <laughs> and boy. said, "And then when I saw the, the unicorn I origami, you. I was reminded of my." I mean, I, I got to say, here's my like I yes, said, talk even about as, your take even on as a kid, I thought it was awful. And apparently, so the story goes in the original script, there was the narration because they wanted it to be a, like a Sam Spade film noir type. Well, that's thing. That what I the, think is cool about the narration is that it does like play it. into the noir thing, right? Right. I, but Harrison like Ford famously hated it and said even before they started filming, you got to cut this out. Let's show, don't tell. You don't have to. Uh, and so they, and but then at the studios were like, no, 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 this is too dark. No one knows what the fuck is going on. You yeah, it was it testing, in. right? It was testing yeah. poorly, and people were so like, they Can't did that. It. They did that ending. They added the ending thing with them, you know, getting away happily ever after. Yeah, that I don't. And like. they did the narration, and like I said, even as a kid, and to this day, I think the narration sounds. I think Harrison Ford sounds awful, and my theory is that. He was like, fuck, all right, if you're going to make me do this, I'm going to make it sound so shitty. There's no way you can use it. I, I always got the impression that he went in there, he's like, I'm going to sabotage this. I'm going to do this so bad, they're going to be like, oh, no, oh, God, Har- Harrison's lost it. Let's cut it out. And they didn't. They're like, let's keep it. And he's like, oh, fuck. They called no, his bluff, legacy. right? They called his bluff, but, yeah. I had heard wow. that story, too. I had always heard that. It, it, officially, he says... It is certainly that he didn't agree with having the narration. He said, uh, there's a quote from him in 99 saying, I contested it mightily at the time. It was not an organic part of the film. Then a few years later, he said, but I delivered it to the best of my ability, given that I had no input. I never thought they'd actually use it, but I didn't try to sandbag it. it was oh, that's just, interesting. He said it was simply bad narration. So he blames it on the <laughs> script. He d- now, I wow. think you might be right. There's something cool because it does, the delivery of that feels different. But, you know, he's also the guy who's like, Oh, you can write this shit, George, but you sure can't say it. And you can, sure. and you yeah, can he's tell he's, he's a great actor, but you can feel... You can feel when he's not crazy about something sometimes, sure, even yeah. though he sells it. He always sells everything. I, but I, so yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing watching it. I was like, does he really, was he really trying to sabotage it? Or did he just say like, well, if this is what you want, if you want Sam Spade, there's a little it, bit of a style to that. It does that I'm have that do. quality and to it. Absolutely. The report would be routine retirement of a replicant, which didn't make me feel any better about shooting a woman in the back. There it was again. Feeling in myself for her. I hear what you guys are saying about Blade Runner. I just, I love it. I guess I can, I can get over 
all the the problems that you're, well, sure. you're you're putting onto it. I just love the look of it. I love Harrison Ford, and I love all the actors. I I just I love the feel of it, and I I I love how it makes me feel. There is something cold and dark and gritty, and mm-hmm. it just right. seems Put your like pants on. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought while I was watching it. I was like I was like oh, this. It's so it's so beloved this movie, and I was like, I get, I, I was like, I guess it's yes, I for people it, who, yeah. I, well, I was like, I guess if you really like feeling that kind of cold, dark, bleak, gritty thing, I mean, yeah. I had that exact yeah. thought towards the end. I was like, if yeah. this kind of does it for you, then it's gonna really do it for Basically, you. Basically, I watch this movie, then I go reach, uh, I read Camus. I read The Stranger. <laughs> and that's a perfect night for me. And then I slit my wrists. Mother died today. Oh, oh speaking of slitting our wrists, oh, I was worried about Sheila last week. Did we get anything <gasps> Okay. Anything me, in the mailbag? All right, we did. We did. Let me just let me just open up the mailbag here. Hang Thanks on for one getting second. dark for Sheila. Hang on one hang on one second here. I gotta get to the Okay, so you just re- you released that turkey into the wild. Yeah. And now, <laughs> okay, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Oh, that was the mailbag. Yeah, that was the mail. I'm so sorry. It sounded like a wild bird being some kind of bag. <laughs> um, dear fellas, you've never opened that way before. Uh, greetings Honor, from for a while. Honor mids. Gre- <laughs> greetings from Susquehanna. She did go there, Fred. See? Good prediction. She's, she Fred. really is That's listening. amazing. That's a good prediction. Thank you. Uh, yes, I, she's a replicant. Hear... <laughs> <laughs> we can track her. We're tracking her. Uh, she says, I really enjoyed uh, last week's uh, uh, episode. I feel like um, Batman has been uh, opened up for me in a, in a new way. I feel like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids has been opened up for me in a new way. I just love you guys so much, and I love the podcast. But, Dan, are you okay? Because you sounded a little off. You sounded a, a little bit uh, – you sounded like you were kind of running out of steam there. I hope everything's okay with you. And just know there's always a place for you in Susquehanna until I move to next week. South, South Bend. That was my favorite musical as a kid. <laughs> so, There's always a place for you in Susquehanna. <laughs> Susquehanna weather. Where the uh, Sheila's going, ride and play. <laughs> Don't worry, Sheila. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Not you. Not you. That's the sarcasm dripping off of oh, Fred right I now. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, Sheila no, doesn't give two shits about either of us. She doesn't she care just about says us. Love, she just says, love Sheila. P.S. Hi, Fred and Jason. That's all she says. Oh, well, that's more than I've ever gotten. Oh, you, got a high, you got a high. That's all you got. Well, Sheila, you'll be happy to know I'm fine. Um, I was just a little... It, it wasn't like I was down in the dumps last week, but I just... I just lost a little of my usual verve and my usual vigor and a, and a little. Rick Moranis and, will do that to a guy. <laughs> listen, I, I I just didn't have the pep that I usually have, but I'm back, baby. I'm back, and you watch out, world, <laughs> because I'm here and I'm and I'm ready to rock and or roll. So mega you, falls, falls, mega falls, Guerrero's dry bed is ready for the plowing. Get in there, Barry Bostwick Sheila, come on, oh God. Now Dan, if Kambada, she, if she, the forbidden dance of love. <laughs> If she asked Dan 
Would you go on a parachute love jump with <gasps> Sheila? Well, listen, I with Princess Kambada or with Sheila? No, with, with Sheila. Sheila. Listen, I'm a married man. Sheila knows this. She's got to know this by now. I'm a married man, <laughs> and I have no, you know, I love my wife very much. Now, if it were a Princess Kambada style love jump, sure. <laughs> I do that with anybody. Love. I do that. I do that with you guys. Persis Kambada style love jump. Love jump. That is my best. Going that, into what, Urban Dictionary. It's wasn't that Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, freestyle rap group? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it was called, wasn't it? Oh no, that was Freestyle Love Supreme. Oh. <laughs> that would be amazing. That should be the name if we ever form like a freestyle hip hop group. That's, <laughs> that's the name. Princess Kambada's Love Jump. It's, that's that's next on the I mean, What's it, next it for us? First itself. a podcast, then a yes. freestyle. <laughs> We're going to do it all. We're very multi-talented. That's true. Well, listen, one thing leads to another. Am I right? <gasps> oh. Well played. I see what you've done there ding, 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 ding. in your d- dingy lair. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is time for our fourth film of the week, John Carpenter's the thing 12 men have just discovered something for 100,000 years it was buried in the snow and ice now it has found a place to live inside where no one can see it or hear it or feel it i know i'm human some of you are still human this thing doesn't want to show itself it wants to hide inside an imitation it'll fight if it has to but it's vulnerable out in the open it takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp, and they discover that the beast can assume the shape of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot, played by Kurt Russell, leads the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off one by one. Of the film's $15 million budget, $1.5 million was spent on Rob Botton's creature effects, a mixture of chemicals, food products, rubber and mechanical parts turned by his large team into an alien capable of taking on any form. The Thing was released in 1982 to very negative reviews. It was described as instant junk and proposed as the most hated film of all time by movie magazine Cinefantastique. The Thing made $3.1 million in its opening weekend and only $19.6 million overall. Many reasons have been cited for its failure to impress audiences, including competition from E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which offered a much more optimistic take on alien visitation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the film found an audience when released on home video and television, and in the years since, it has been reappraised as one of the best science fiction and horror films ever made, and has gained quite a cult following. Fred and Dan, what did you think of John Carpenter's The Thing? Oh man, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Now, I didn't see it when it first came out, because I oh, was... God, you'd be scarred uh, for was, life. <laughs> I was, which, which I need to... Uh, so our producer, Ethan apparently saw this movie his dad took him to see this movie when he was nine Madness. which i can't and i asked the first thing i asked him i was like did you have any dogs and he's like yeah we had oh, five God. dogs eight chickens to, and i'm like how are you not scarred 
it, yeah. it was I, I I wouldn't be able to survive that as a nine year old. That would that would have oh, been it. That's but, so um, interesting. You say that right off the bat about a dog. It, it's so, we see so many films, but you know, horror, science fiction, where uh, or uh, disaster films and stuff. They're always they're always saving. Saving the dog, saving the pet. Yeah, the fact that right. the horrible things that happen to dogs oh, in this movie. My it's God. like it Let tells you right up front we're not we're playing for keeps. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I uh, I remember when like I said, that Starlog magazine that I spoke about with Blade Runner, it also had a thing. It had a thing on the thing. And I remember seeing the pictures of what his name is Rob Botton. Is that how it's yeah, pronounced? Yeah. I think it's Batine. I, I think it's Batine. Batine. Oh, yeah, I oh seriously? Oh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a picture of him and it's sort of a, an infamous picture picture of him and he's got fangs and he's holding the two-faced <laughs> thing that they first found yes, and I just I remember I remember seeing that and and I was like oh, I can't I can't this is too much this is this is Fangoria I need my star log yes, um, yes. and I first saw scenes from it several years later maybe maybe just a couple of years later I had some friends who were really into horror movies and they rented a movie it was called Terror in the Isles oh yes and yes. It, was, it, it came out in like 83 or 84 and it was a compilation movie it was a documentary about horror movies and it was narrated by Donald Pleasance and I believe yes. Jamie Lee Curtis too and it showed and I didn't want to watch it because I didn't like watching movies like this but it showed scenes from Scanners yep. and yeah. Halloween Texas and Chainsaw Texas Chainsaw yeah. yeah and it showed a lot of scenes from The Thing yeah, so that I was my that first ex- that was my first experience and just and it really like the oh my god the whole blood test scene it showed that and oh it really god, had an impact good. on me and throughout the years i had seen bits and pieces of it but i never seen it all in one sitting which i did a couple of nights ago oh wow um and in and, and, and in that sitting i realized that i actually had seen most of the movie but just not from start to finish i don't think but i really really liked it i mean it yeah. it is creepy as fuck and i mean it's it's crazy that it came out right around was it, it was before or after et it was two, after, two right? weeks after yeah two i weeks mean after so of course i mean my god it's so nihilistic yeah. and you know you can see why people just be like ugh, no but i uh, <laughs> yeah it did not I read really, the room <laughs> i enjoyed it i thought it was such great casting i loved all these guys. oh my god the ensemble setting. is amazing david keith and oh yeah. my god richard mazer i mean all all these just great character actors. did i say that right is it david keith or keith david keith david david keith is an officer and a gentleman yes yeah no keith david. yes um, Keith David, yeah, wonderful. It was, uh, Wilford Brimley, amazing. Yeah, Richard Masseur. I, um, I, I, is Richard Masseur? I thought it, it was Richard Mazur. I thought it was Masseur. I think it's Mazur. It's oh, Botan. What, what is it? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed it, and I, I it's uh, Guerrera Guerrera's the- dry bed. <laughs> Barry Bust Week. I think that's what it was. I'm sorry. Yeah. So maybe uh, I'm sure you're right. Richard Mazur. Sure. Yeah. I uh, just the feeling of dread and uncertainty. Oh oh my God. Who's got it? And the effects are just, they're just unbelievable. Gorgeous about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the, the twisted mind where you watch the things happen and you're like, this is the sickest kid you know. The oh, sickest, yeah? most ca- talented kid yeah. you know at, in a playground. Like, like, and then we'll make it do this, and then it'll squirt yep. this, and then this part will glop off, and then it'll grow legs, and it'll grow. It is crazy to the point where, you know, I probably saw this movie for the first time 
like 10 years ago. And I've seen oh, it really? multiple times since. But hmm. I never saw Oh, I, you know, I do not like horror movie. I am not a horror movie guy. I am not a, a thriller, chiller guy. I don't like that stuff. I, I'm not good with scary movies and I'm not great with gross out movies usually, but I loved it. I fell in love yes. with it. I thought it was so, I loved, I love everything about it. I love all the slow burn stuff. I like all the, mm-hmm. the tension, the dread, the the cinematography is great. The acting's great. It's so so the good. The music, the music is amazing. Yeah. John Carpenter, oh. right? Did, now, did John Carpenter? Did he, he score did. it he, himself the way he did I, with I Halloween and did. a lot of his? I was own. thinking that as well. I think yes. he did, and and he's so goddamn good. He it's knows how so to good. That's, it gets a little. There's one point when they actually go and they're and you see them looking at the site of where the spaceship crashed. I almost feel like it's like an homage to 1950s science fiction music. It gets a little grander there, mm-hmm. but the beginning, which I know because it's based, it's on, based you know, on, somewhat based on. I even wonder if that's why Ethan's dad took it. Was like, oh, the thing. I remember the thing. From, yeah, you know, yeah, when I, yeah, yeah. You know, and this but is I just like, loved. I love that simple music in the beat. They're like dun dun. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's the heartbeat, right? Yeah, it's still alive. It's still under the ice. It's still living under there. The heart is still beating. It's so goddamn good. But but, but then when those effects kicked in, you know, at first you're like, oh, God, how am I going to sit through another hour of this kind of intensity? But then it actually gets, along with being horrifying, it also gets funny. And not funny, like, because it's bad, but funny because it's so... Wild, you're like, it's I so can't believe crazy. the extremes oh, no. when it just when, pushes the envelope yeah, so when far. When that head it's, falls off <laughs> yes. and it grows the and legs, it grows and the it goes, spider legs. It's it's sort it's, of funny. It's, yeah. it's very well, funny, especially then, because of. The, go ahead, Dan. Pa- no, yeah. then Palmer says, "You gotta be fucking kidding." <laughs> yeah. That is he's the, the audience. Huge yeah. laugh line. Yes, he's the audience. It's in that a huge moment. laugh, and it's also filmed in a comedic way because not when it initially all happened. I mean, yeah. it, it's funny because of the the way it ups the ante when you're like, "What the fuck?" The, the head well, yeah. is growing spider legs, and so. But it's also because all the oh. the characters, uh, Kurt Russell and everybody's in the foreground of this next shot, yeah. and yeah. blurry in the background, out of focus, you see the thing kind of yes. walking. Yeah, towards away. the door. And you have and to like, chuckle. <laughs> you have to laugh. It's a comic shot. You've got to be fucking kidding. I saw this movie in middle school because um, wow. a buddy of mine was like, you haven't seen the thing? My buddy Wally. And he, and we watched and he showed me it and we watched it. And, and instantaneously I was hooked. I can't imagine anyone. I can't imagine this getting poor reviews or being considered one of the worst movies or whatever you said in your intro, yeah. Jason. Uh, like that, that's mind blowing to me because this kind of movie, it's an Agatha Christie movie, right? It's 10 yeah. Little Indians mm-hmm. or, or Murder on the Orient Express mixed with like Lifeboat or, you know, Stagecoach or one of these movies where you have a small group of people and they start getting picked off. It's those, mo- those kinds of movies, you know, combined with the goriest and most abominable thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Right? The, 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 um, the thing I love about it is even though, you know, Kurt Russell's the one star, you don't know who else is going to die. And you, you kind of think that maybe Kurt Russell's the thing at certain points. Oh. It's oh, constantly yeah. upending your, upending your, uh, uh, expectations and your thoughts about it in the way that it unfolds. In other words, you know, um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. So, they lock up Wilford Brimley in the th- in the in the uh, in the bunkhouse or the storeroom, right? Mm-hmm. And yet he starts. Spoiler alert: He starts tunneling under and making a new spacecraft, right? So he's the thing. How does he get 
infected. Do you guys know? Hmm. Oh man, uh, I have a theory. Tell me your theory, because I'm not. I'm like, yeah, I was sure. reading about that too, and I couldn't. He's locked in there. There's no one who got to him. We don't see that anyway. And this right. is what I mean about the movie. Does it have to do with his diabetes? Thwarting your. <laughs> oh no. Could it, could it have anything to do that with that? Damn diabetes. This, um, this oatmeal tastes funny. <laughs> was it Steve Gutenberg? <laughs> Did he have anything to do with Don that? Don Amici it- tunneled underneath. <laughs> no. he t- And they show this in a later shot, too. When he does the autopsy, right, on the thing, and he's pulling Oh, and he's that touching everything. Piece, he touches it with his eraser on his pencil. Yes. And then he touches his lip. And then later when he's on the computer and he's Mm -hmm. tapping away on the computer, he's got the pencil and the eraser very prominently in the the frame. Wow, you're so So that it reminds you, Ah. holy fuck, that's where he, I think, that's where he infects himself because some of the cells, which are all alive and are all the thing, every cell of the thing is the thing, gets in him and it infects him from the inside. Oh my God. Oh. Oh. This is a strange movie to watch at any time, but right now in the in the <laughs> oh, age of in the age of COVID yes. and infection and like, and like yes. how does it infect us and why does it infect us and what did you do that you well, but got it? This came it, out you when know? AIDS was first, right? I mean, this, yeah, this was yeah, right in the beginning of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I wonder if that. Sure, it's, yeah, I guess it's operating on multiple levels. But everything you read about it, though, it doesn't. That aspect of it, the actual disease aspect and infection aspect of it, is not what people. It's more about like what that, what the assimilation does, and what that, how that, um, that pits people against each other. Who do you trust, yeah. or can you trust anyone, or, or does every man? become an island in that you know i read something great today that was so sad anyway it says in these kinds of when you're faced with something like this do people pull together or do they split apart and what is what is Mm. human nature to like join forces against that and then i you know it's you know you you put you think about where we are today and how people are fractured and it's like oh gosh i i sadly i found myself thinking i think we know the answer i think i think yeah you well, know. and the movie does that. The movie does that too, with the finger pointing, and it's not me, it's him. It, who, you know, who did break into the blood locker? You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not answered. It's, it's not ever answered. answered. You're right. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they, it's not that the lock is broken. Someone keyed it open, and only Gary had the key, and he's not the thing. So who did it? You know, it doesn't answer it. And and so there's. I love the ambiguity. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that so full of ambiguity that these guys can do nothing but point fingers at each other because it's impossible for them to trust. When he shoots Richard Mazur or Mazur in the head, (laughs) and there's that whole thing, and Keith David or David Keith, uh, you know, says. you know, well, that well now that just makes you a murderer. You know, because they sh- they shoot him and they do the blood test and yeah. he wasn't infected. Yeah, right. And then he moves right but along. He's like, he just moves right along. Yep, you know? I guess I am. Next person. You know yeah. what I mean? This is the world we're to, in now. Well, it is like it, it is like also about how you get um, numb to it, right? Like that 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 first. Oh yes. God, I'm not going to remember the character's name. He was. Uh, uh, he had kind of a, a a beard or a goatee, red. And, and Bennings. Bennings, Bennings. When they're mm-hmm. burning, his, they know he's the thing, and they're yeah, burning yeah. that body out in the snow. And and he is, he is, defor- he is. But he, yeah. lo- it's the first time we see them 
take fire and take action against something that still really looks like the person. My God, what was happening to him? If it had more time to finish, it would have looked and sounded and acted just like Benny's. I don't know what you're saying. That was one of those things out there trying to imitate him, Gary. Oh, it's just so damn it's, good. I can't imagine anyone not liking that movie. But you know what's funny? I was just looking it up. It, so it has like an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and and the, sure. the audience score is very high. It's very well, but when you look back at the actual reviews, now that's a lot of, um, there's very few who are considered like, you know, the top critic. Most of them did not like it. Like Roger Ebert hmm. gave it a bad review. New York Times gave it a bad review. That. Variety gave it a bad review. Uh, you know, they, most of the reviews at the time were, were negative. I think they, I think the intensity of the effects, I think the, I think the, I think the gross out nature, like the, you know, it just goes so Far, I think it turns. I think if you're if you're not willing to meet the movie on its terms, and if you're not yeah. willing to go on the ride, I think it can turn you off quickly, early on, and that no matter how well it's done, you're kind of like we don't need to see that. We didn't. We didn't need to see. It. You know, that's the overkill of the effects. Yeah. It can be a turnoff, and I think that's sure. probably what happened. You know, and then it's been reappraised since. But yeah. Yes. It goes far by today's standards. It, it, it's, it's still like I've never seen beyond, anything like beyond. that today. I know. I know. It's pretty crazy. Like maybe Guillermo de Toro. Like just, I, I don't even know. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah, goes there. But but, but still. It's, but they're few and far between. They're few yeah. and far between that do that. I mean, it was very much, it was like, it was like we were saying, you know, that they just sort of like go crazy. Like you have carte blanche, do whatever you want. And it was, it was very much like a love letter to the people who love movies like that and who love special effects and who love yeah. horror and you know that type yeah. of craziness it was like this is for you guys yeah. let's right. do this and there's something there's something very fun about that and 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 freeing oh, yeah. and yeah it's like you said jason it's like you're gonna play by our rules this is how we're doing things um and but i, like I think the it's... story and the characters support all of it you know oh, absolutely it's, it's it, not just a showcase for it, that. Exactly. Yeah, if the movie around it wasn't as good as it was, you might say, like, eh, okay, you know, this is, you, you're, all you're about, John Carpenter, is grossing us out. And that's, that's all that's on your mind. And if mm-hmm. that was what it was, if the, if the rest of the movie didn't rise to the occasion and, and have something on its mind and have something, you know, themes that were at work and, and, and the filmmaking is beautiful. It's not like it's a schlock horror movie with no, you know where no. you can, you're like all the money's in the effects all the money's in the effect it is beautifully filmed it's it, it looks gorgeous yeah. it's um no it's a fantastic it's a fantastic movie my big question is if the megaforce team of elite super soldiers if they had been if they had been the antarctic team and then the thing came and infected them you know what would have? How would they have? They should that? have called them. They were they were busy in the desert. My God, if Barry Bostwick came in with that headband, maybe threw another baby blue headband to Kurt Russell, the two of them could and have another taken motorcycle that thing. I think out. we saw that the, the thing. It was it was in his pants. Uh, very true. It was it was straining to break free. <laughs> That's how you contain it. That's the only way to contain it. With that lycra, is that Mattel st- made stuff lycra. Stuff it down your lycra jumpsuit and and, le- and it will suffocate down there because what wouldn't? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, with uh, that, uh, friends, I think. I, I, I hate to do this, but the phone what? line is lighting up. Oh, it wow. It is lighting up. And I we didn't take a phone call last week. 
because people didn't care. But this week they do apparently. Oh, well, 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 the fact please. that you brought up you know stuffing lycra jumpsuits. Yeah, that's got the phone lines in. lighting up. Let me just <laughs> yeah. let me just check your yes. Hello. I'm sorry. What? Oh my god. Okay, hold on, please. No, absolutely, sir. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys, you're never yeah. going to believe this. Yeah? So, Someone who listened to last week's podcast is on the phone. It's Jack Nicholson. Oh, my God. Jack Nicholson has called into it. No, no, we're, I'm still here. Yes, yes, sir. Sir, yes. I, I, just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Nicholson. Mr. Nicholson, hello? You're on. I am the speaker thing. <laughs> yes, you are. You're here with us on the opening weekend podcast. Welcome. It's so nice to. Yeah. Did, did, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't got to blow me here. I just wanted to say, I'm a personal friend of Richard, Rick, Dicky Moranis, and. Uh, <laughs> We golf sometimes, we barbecue. I, uh, you know, the guy's already taken a beating for me at the box office too many times to count. But, uh, you know, I remember our two movies went head to head. I said, hey, Ricker, you're going down. And he was like, he was like, well, I think this is going to be a great thing for me. And I said, it'll be fine, but it's no Batman. <laughs> And so we shoot the shit here and there, and uh, and he says, uh, he says, you know that uh, that ruined my career, Jack. That I, uh, I couldn't go toe to toe with you. And I said, well, you did good. You did good. I don't know. I don't know what you took in, like half of what we made. He said that stings. I said, well, then put a little of this ointment on it, because uh, Angelica had something back in '86 that. Uh, I had to clear up right proper, and he said, he said, you know that's not what I mean. Anyway, I just want to say, when you bat around my boy Rick, it's, uh, you know, he's he's been through a lot. I mean, as you can see, he's, he's retired now, and he might, you know, so am I, so am I, but that's because of the age, not because of uh, the lack of confidence that he's suffering. But, um, we're so sorry, Mr. Nicholson. We, we certainly meant yeah, no respect so towards sorry. the Ricker. You did mean no respect towards the Ricker. <laughs> no disrespect. Oh, oh my God. I'm so right. sorry. I'm very nervous talking well, with you. Well, that's how yeah. people yeah. get I'm, with I'm, me, kid. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Well, right, uh, I'm that's... so sorry about that. Let me ask you something so we just so we. Don't get a call from you next week. Are you also What's the matter? You, Barry? you got a problem? You got something better to do than <laughs> no, take no, calls from an icon? Did uh, are, are you friends with Barry Bostwick by any chance? I, I the just boss don't, I don't... and I. <laughs> we don't like to talk about it, but no. uh, can you yeah. can you maybe uh, settle something for us? Uh, Shoot, is it Richard Mazur or Richard Mazur? <laughs> Just I don't I, think he, I know, he, I don't you know know he has time for these kinds of... All right. I'm, it's I'm Richard so Masser. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mr. Nicholson. Thank you so much for calling. Oh, you're and welcome. I just want to say, you know, just, you know, next time when you do, I don't know, Little Giants or some shit, just kind of go <laughs> easy. Go easy on my boy Moranis. He did his best there, you know. He was like, I'm a leading man. I was like, not really. You're... <laughs> 
You're wearing a football helmet suspended over your backyard with, I don't know, a microwave on the other end of a pole. And, you know, it's not acting. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys, I was I was, was peeing. Amazing. Who was on the... You, that wasn't really Jason, Jack Nicholson on the phone. Jason, I, I, I can't believe this, but you missed... Wait, 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 you wait, wait. missed the Jack Nicholson. Oh, good gravy. He, he, he did not sound happy. He w- he was upset that we were poking fun at, at, at Rick Moranis. You know, having oh my God, fun was... with Rick Moranis last week. Uh, I, I, said, I said Rick Moranis was boring last week. Oh, yeah, my did. God. You, did you sure that. did. Oh, we got to get Sheila on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll take care of it. Sheila will take care of it. Um, wow, well, what a thrill. Uh, that was a thrill ride. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, uh, everybody, uh, I think it's time for us to go. Uh, we're going to be back <laughs> next week. Um, it's it's 4th of July weekend is coming up, <laughs> and uh, we're planning to go back to July 1st, 1994, and, oh. uh, and a trio of films that will live in infamy. Baby's Day Out. Yes. Blown Away. <laughs> And the Shadow, uh, starring Alec Baldwin. Blown away. Did I? You know, I paused for a second. Blown away. Did I say that right? That's the title of it, right? Blown away. Tommy, Tommy Jones. Lee Jones. Absolutely. And, yes, 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 yes. For a second, I thought it's such a generic sounding title. I was like, "Blow? Is it blown away? Is that the name of a movie?" Yes. And they came it was originally out. called the Bombada Love Jump, but they changed it. They shouldn't have. They should not have. Uh, Baby's Day Out, of course, stars a baby, I suppose. Um, (laughs) So we're going to look at those three movies for Fourth of July. Yeah, well, you know, we got to get that. You know, it's been a while since Cliffhanger. They can't all be, that's what I like to say. They can't all be Star Wars. They can't all be Batman. Sometimes you need Baby's Day Out and The Shadow. They can't all be Megaforces. Oh, thank God. Oh, hey, uh, so Dan, uh, do you have anything... A little something to take us out. I was just going to. It's a hard week. It is a difficult week, but you know, we 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 we, uh, we have we do have the Monty Python theme, and so um, that's great. Or or we could go with uh, the Lumberjack song, but the the theme is a little more. It's a little more intricate. So so I was I was going to. I'm excited. Go with I'm the excited theme, for this. All right. So let me just warm up because you know we got to warm up. Okay, sounding good tonight. <laughs> this is very sweaty tonight. You know, it's a warm night. Yeah, it is. All right. And warm now night for something for good hand farts. Completely different. That was that was a highlight. That was a highlight. <sighs> well, that's yeah. I think we're going to leave it there. You you people out there in podcast land have definitely gotten your money's worth. Uh, exactly. So uh, thank you so much. Join us next week for more opening weekend. Megaphone. 
The Opening Weekend Podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with help from Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Yeah, Jack Nicholson here. Just, uh, you know, I wanted to do these kids a favor. Whether they're 50, 60 years old, I don't know how old these guys are, but they're kids to me. Anyway, when I see some poor son of a bitch, you know, sitting in their house, talking into a computer and trying to eke out a little bit of, I don't know, positivity, I'm like, what can I do to put this bastard out of his misery or... To help a guy along. So they says, they called me back because apparently the, uh, I was on, they had the caller ID and whatnot. I, I disconnected it, but, uh, Geppetto, my, uh, my house boy, sometimes he, he reconnects the, reconfigures the system. I don't know. Anyway. So they get the number. They say, oh, the uh, this guy, o- O'Conwell, or whatever, he didn't talk to you. And I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, I just wanted to say my piece and be done. So I talked to this this guy. He's crying. And I, went, I was like, yes, I'm glad you enjoy movies. And uh, so then they asked me to just give a little... I, I don't even know why I'm doing this here. But go to the, uh, the iTunes and... Um, <laughs> Right, it's Itunes, Itunes. Go to Itunes and uh, give them whatever you think's appropriate. They want five stars. I, you know, the bit I listen to, I wouldn't go that high. But you know, so I what? Geppetto, speak up for fuck's sake. Itunes. Go to Itunes. Give these guys whatever four or five stars. Do your bit, and. uh you know, I think they're on openingweekendpodcast.com, so do what you want with that information.